This episode of No Playbook is sponsored by LTT Productions. Like, comment, share, tell your friends, even tell your grandma. Get the word out about LTT and we can watch this thing grow together. This podcast is sponsored by Smith Media Consulting. For all your audio or video production or for media consulting, contact Smith Media Consulting at 618-294-3399. Again, contact Smith Media Consulting at 618-294-3399. Welcome back to the No Playbook Podcast on LTT Productions. I'm your host, Drew Pounton, riding it solo today. But man, do we have a packed, packed, packed NBA show for you today. A lot has gone down. Free agency started yesterday. I'm recording this on the 1st of July. So free agency started last night, right around 6 o'clock. Um, we got some word before Kevin Durant winning out of Brooklyn. <clears throat> Jokic is now the richest player in NBA history, signing the largest contract. Ja and Zion sign their rookie extensions. And what are the Jazz doing? We're going to talk about all of that and so much more right here on this version of No Playbook. Make sure you stay up to date on everything LTT Productions related. You can follow LTT Productions on Twitter at LTT Productions 1. You can also follow the host of the No Playbook podcast, Drew Pounton, on Twitter as well, at Pounton18. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter for everything LTT Productions related. So, let's go ahead and uh, get right to it. Got my handy pen ready. We're going to mark off stuff as we talk about it. So... Free agency really kind of kicked off with a massive trade with the Hawks and the Spurs. And that's where we're going to start today. I have a list of just stuff that I want to talk about. DeJounte and Trey Young are now teammates. The Spurs trade DeJounte Murray to the Hawks for three first-round picks and Danilio Gallinari. Now Gallinari has since been released from the Spurs. He intends or he hopes to sign with the Celtics as a report coming from Woj. But that trade package, now that Gallinari has been released, includes three first-round picks, a Hornets pick in the 2023 draft, and two unprotected first pick, first-round picks from the Hawks themselves, 2025 and 2027. I get where the Hawks are coming from. You know, John Collins, um, that trade has still yet to be done. So we don't really know what he what that package is going to look like. I've heard that the John Collins and Atlanta Hawks terms have just been shambled, and there's no way that John Collins is coming back to the Hawks this year. So Murray and Young, right around probably no older than 26. So you take that. These these picks are super far in advance. But do you think that your team is going to be good enough in 2025 and 2027? Travis Schlenk, I hope I pronounced that right, has the utmost confidence trading these two picks unprotected that far away. Now, thanks to the siphon rule that you cannot trade back picks in back-to-back years, so the Hawks will have, of course, their 2024 pick and 2026 first-round pick. And then after 2027, they don't owe the Spurs any other picks. So this is a really, obviously this is a win-now move, but 
Schlenk is kind of saying we're going to win a championship, or by the time these picks roll around, I'm probably not going to be here. Those are, again, high... You don't know what your team is going to look like in five years. You don't know, you know, anything. I'm not saying that he screwed, you know, nothing crazy. I just, those picks are super, super, super far in advance. You know, when you're doing, you know, you're playing 2K or whatever and you do trades, you're like, oh, I'll just throw this pick in, wait it down the line. You know, I'll worry about it when I get there. This is real life. You can, you know, trades on a video game, obviously, are way easier to make. But the Hawks gave up two first-round picks five years from now. Now, let's say that it doesn't work out between DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. And in three years, that 2025 first-round pick, they blow it up. DeJounte Murray got three first-round picks, you know, this time, I think he's only going to improve with Trey Young. I think he's really going to show how good of a defender he is on ball, off ball, whatever, just by improving how good defensively that Hawks backcourt is going to be. Because Trey Young, one of the worst defenders in the league, but by golly does he make up with it for his offense. Now, again, these are two very ball-dominant point guards, and I've heard again that Trey Young played a lot of shooting guard in high school. That's high school. He's been in the league for... I think this is going to be his fifth year. He spent one year at Oklahoma, so that's six years ago whenever he was in high school. I think, obviously, I would run DeJounte as the main ball handler just because I think Trey Young is a better spot-up shooter. He's a better catch-and-shoot shooter. He's just an overall better scorer. Trey Young had the one of the highest percented, or excuse me, one of the highest usage rates I think I read it's like 33 35 percent somewhere in that range which was among the league's top in the NBA this past season again DeJounte is gonna I think I said I think DeJounte is gonna prove how good defensively he is I don't think again he's not a bad scorer at all DeJounte averaged 21 points this past season um nine assists eight rebounds somewhere in that range those stats and that's going to add to the team as well. They did trade away Kevin Herter to the Kings. Um, the Kings got back. Yes, the Hawks traded Kevin Herter to Sacramento for Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, and a 2024 first-round pick. So now they have, a, you know, unless that they did trade their 2024 first-round pick, and I can't remember, you know, why maybe it was for in that mellow trade they just threw it in there again but I, either way they have a 2024 first round pick lottery protected from the kings they also get justin holiday and mo harkless back now those are two really good bench players role players you know to kind of go along with them justin holiday spent some time in indiana with the pacers he wasn't bad mo harkless spent some time with the blazers and the kings obviously he's not bad these are just some pretty good role players to maybe be a lower tier starter or come off the bench again as of right now this lineup looks like the guards are going to be young and murray the forwards are going to be herder and Collins, and then the center is going to be Capella. And then off the bench, you know, you have, as you know, as of right now, the only two that really come to mind are the two that I mentioned, Harkless and Holiday. 
But again, that John Collins deal is still in the works. Clint Capella is always in trade rumors. So I don't know what this Hawks team is going to look like two weeks, two days, two hours from right now. This is just a team that is, if they were to start the season right now, this is the team that the Hawks would throw onto the court. And that's not a bad team. Now, what we've noticed over the past couple of years, or excuse me, the past couple of trades, Christian Wood got traded, not as valuable as what we thought. Jeremy Grant got traded, not as valuable as what we thought. The Blazers got Jeremy Grant on a steal of a deal. I don't, I can't even remember what it was. I think it was just a couple of picks, maybe not even a couple, just a pick and maybe a, a player or something. Not a lot. Either way, you get the gist. It was not a whole lot given up to acquire Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy Grant is going to provide a lot of some really good play for the Blazers. He is going to take a little bit of the scoring off of Dame. They also just re-signed Anthony Simons back to a four-year, $100 million deal. But that's beside the point. Talking about, you know, all these players that are, you know, talking about the Blazers are not a part of this. Again, the Hawks, this John Collins trade is going to be really, really important for their team. Again, this is a team last year that severely underperformed compared to just two seasons ago where they almost, well, not almost, they made it to the conference finals to be beaten by Milwaukee. They remember, if you remember that series with Trey Young and the Knicks, that was electric, and then they went on to upset the Sixers, and then they ran into the Bucks, and the Bucks kind of, I think it was either 4-1 or 4-0. This is the team trying to win now with Trey Young, who is in his prime, DeJounte Murray in his prime. It'll be interesting to see what they do with John Collins and Clint Capella. I think that Clint is more than likely to stay just because of the fact that I personally haven't heard anything about him. But it just feels like him and Miles Turner are always just thrown into, you know, oh, the the Pacers are exploring Turner or exploring Turner trades and then the Hawks are exploring Clint Capella trades. It'll be really interesting to see how this offseason continues to progress. You think about it, we're a day in the free agency. I have my phone on I have my phone tweets on for Shams and Woj. So a Woj bomb could drop. It dropped right before I went on today. Then we'll get to that a little bit later. A Woj bomb dropped right before I pressed record on this this episode. So now that we've talked about the Hawks, let's talk about the biggest news that happened today. Uh, or yesterday. It was yesterday, right before the free agency started. Kevin Durant once out of Brooklyn after signing a four-year extension. Whew. Think about that. Think about some of the more valuable players that have been traded. You got to think of Russell Westbrook. Whenever he was in his prime, he was traded from the Thunder to the Rockets. Paul George, whenever he was in his prime again, from the Thunder to the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard traded from the Spurs to the Ra- or to the Raptors. Excuse me. None of these players are even close to Durant. Well, Leonard is the closest to Durant, but I still think that Durant's... I, I said this in an, an earlier podcast. It might have been the last one where Kevin Durant in Golden State was phenomenal. Like, that, that was the best version of Durant. We got him on the defensive side of the ball while he was still just outscoring and shooting over everybody. That was the best version of Durant, and you can argue a wall at that. He was up for depoy conversations. Again, You, I, I talked about this last time. But some of the teams that are interested, what are you, what are you giving up? Now, 
He did give a list of teams. I could not find it. I know that one of them includes the Heat, and another one includes the Suns. The Suns just signed Devin Booker to a four-year, $224 million extension, somewhere in that range. And the Nets have said, we're not trading Durant to the Suns unless Booker's in that package. Because you've got to think, they gave up all, a lot of their first-round picks to get Harden. And then, I'm pretty sure it was a sign-and-trade to get Durant because I think they signed D'Lo and traded him to Golden State, and then Durant was one of those things. Either it was just a weird twist of fate that D'Lo ended up with the Warriors and Durant ended up with the Nets. Either way, I don't know when the Nets have another first-round pick. And if you're trading Kyrie and Kevin Durant, you're going to need something to compete today. They don't have to be go out and be superstars, or not necessarily superstars, but go out and compete for a championship, but you need to be competing for a top spot in the East. You have to make it seem like, okay, we traded away Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We're a top five seed in the East, or we're a top three seed. You cannot afford, unless you get boatloads of picks back for Kevin Durant, and then they have to turn around and trade Kyrie as well, which I love. I love, I love that Kyrie opted in, and then Kevin Durant is washing this all away. Kyrie still has to be traded, but Kevin Durant came out and requested a trade. Kyrie has just kind of they've there's not I don't really even remember if Kyrie has requested a trade. It's just kind of they've come to an impasse on contract extension talk. So Kyrie Irving could suit up for the Nets next year. He opted into a 36 and 37 million dollar uh, player option. Kevin Durant came out and requested a trade. Now it's Kevin Durant. But think about it in a, in a different way. Take an outside look at it. If they trade Kyrie Irving first and then Kevin Durant comes out and says, I'm not playing for the Nets anymore. I want out of here. like Kind of like he did. I feel like they lost a lot of leverage. Now it's Kevin fucking Durant. You're going to get four or five first round picks. Three or four really good players, a couple of bench players. This is going to be like a KG from the Celtics to the to the Wolf or from the Celt. Excuse me, KG from the Wolves to the Celtics type of package for Kevin Durant, and I think that you could get a little bit more than that. But either way, they trade Kevin Durant, and there's reports from Brian Windhorst saying that the Lakers, out of all teams, could put together a package to get both of them. Now, I'm sure that would include Westbrook and Anthony Davis, but I'm choosing Durant and Kyrie over Westbrook and Anthony Davis all day. Westbrook on an expiring $47 million you know, deal. Trade him away. Anthony Davis hasn't stayed healthy pretty much his whole career, at least the past four or five years in L.A. He has not been healthy at all. He just... He's one of those guys that injuries find him. He just gets injured for... not I wouldn't necessarily say stupid stuff, but like accidental stuff. You know? Whenever Anthony Davis is healthy, top 10 player, 5 player, it's been so long since we've seen Davis healthy to where I can't even, I would say a top 5 player in the NBA. Top 75 player, who knows? I'm not here to make that debate. But I think that with Durant requesting a trade, they trade Durant first, then obviously Kyrie's not, they're going to trade Kyrie regardless. I think that they kept their leverage, a little bit more leverage, I guess. I, I feel like I sound dumb whenever I'm saying this because it's Kevin Durant. You're going to get a, a big package. But it's more or less that, like, 
you know, Kyrie's there and they can sue things over with Kevin Durant or try to sue things over with Kevin Durant. He hasn't said, I don't think they've talked to the Nets at all, Kyrie or Kevin Durant or KD. But either way, I think that with Kevin Durant staying and Kyrie Irving opting in, they haven't traded him yet, that they are going to get a, a decently large package for Kevin Durant. What that looks like, I don't know. But the Jazz have acquired seven first-round picks, including a, a player. Whew. So yesterday they made – I think they made a really good move, the Nets. They traded Royce O'Neal to the Nets for a first-round pick. So the Nets gave up a first-round pick. Now, today, this was the Woj bomb that dropped. Utah is trading Rudy Gobert – to the Timberwolves. This package is ridiculously large. This is for Rudy Gobert. Okay, The Timberwolves are trading away Malik Beasley. Quality starter. Or maybe not starter. I think he came off the bench last year. Either way, a great scorer. Patrick Beverly, lockdown defender. Walker Kessler, no idea who that is. Jarrett Vanderbilt, lockdown defender. Leon- Leandro Balmero. Not really sure who that is. A 2023, 2025, and a 2027 unprotected first, along with a top five protected first in 2029. Now, I don't know how the restrictions and all that work, but Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt, including a lot of these picks that they've traded, could get the Jazz you Kevin Durant. Jared Vanderbilt is one of the better up-and-coming defenders in our league. Patrick Beverly may be a little bit older, but his defense and his you know talking is ridiculous. And then Malik Beasley adds really good scoring to any team he's going to play for. But the Jazz could keep him because Donovan Mitchell, you know, that, that relationship has really been stagnant since COVID. Because uh, well, from what I've heard, Donovan Mitchell is a really big germaphobe. And whenever Rudy Gobert came in and touched all those mics, and then he went back, and I think he was touching player stuffs, and Donovan was just not happy about it, and their relationship hasn't been the same since. And I think it was time for a shakeup. They have not gotten out of the first round with these two teams, including being the one seed, the best team in the regular season. This team couldn't get out of the first round. Well, maybe they did. Maybe they got to. I think they got to the second because I don't think they lost to an eight seed. But they have not gotten to the conference finals. So, with Mike Conley still on the team, Rudy Gobert traded for a bunch of bench depth or starters. I think Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley could very easily start. Donovan Mitchell, what do you do with him? Are they really going to go full rebuild mode? They did hire Will Clark, I think is his name, from the Celtics to take over their head coaching position. So what does Utah do from here? Do they, because I didn't, there was no reports. Woj just came out and said, the Timberwolves are getting Rudy Gobert. There was no, the Timberwolves and Jazz are in talks for a Rudy Gobert trade. No, this just came out of nowhere. We kind of figured that something was going to change in Utah just based on the fact that how unsuccessful they have been since this kind of core has been in place. And they traded away Joe Ingles. They traded away Royce O'Neal. 
They traded away someone else uh, at the deadline. I can't remember who it is. But now they have a bunch of first-round picks. What do they do with those first-round picks? Do they go out and try to make a bigger move and try to pair Donovan Mitchell alongside someone, throw in Mike Conley's big salary for a kind of try to make the salaries match or do you run this team just how it is sign a couple more players Rudy Gobert clears up probably about 45 million in cap he was on a massive contract extension from the last time that he signed but let's take a look at this from the Timberwolves perspective as well you've lost Malik Beasley Patrick Beverly and Jaron Verdebilt as long at you know as well as four first round picks so now their starting lineup is going to be I don't know who you run at the three but it's going to be, obviously, D'Lo, Anthony Edwards. I don't know who you run at that three mark. I, I really don't, um, unless I'm completely forgetting forgetting about someone, which I might be. I think Ant may have ran a little bit of three, and then Beasley slid in, or Patrick Beverly slid in at the one or two. Either way. So I don't know who's running the three. The four is going to be Cat, and then the five is going to be Gobert. I think that Rudy Gobert to this team makes a ton of sense. Cat not really known as the defensive center. He's you know he's one of the best three point shooting bigs, pretty much of all time at this point. But you gave up so much. What what are, what are the expectations of the Timberwolves this upcoming year? They traded away three quality players and then a couple of younger guys. What are your expectations for the Timberwolves this year? They came in as a and if they play in spot, they got the seventh seed. I don't do they, does this make them a better team? I think I don't know how much money they have left to play around with because they also assigned Cat to a big extension. Anthony Edwards is gonna have to get paid either this year or next year. Where where is this team gonna have room to pay anybody outside of the four players that are starting? I think the 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 Timberwolves are kind of getting themselves into a we're going to have to go out and sign vet minimums or just offer minimums to people to hope that they want to come play in Minnesota. It's not California. No one really wants to play for Minnesota unless they're out there winning championships. And I wouldn't even go that far because Milwaukee won a championship just last season. And they are kind of not getting the higher end players. Make sure you stay up to date on everything LTT Productions related. You can follow LTT Productions on Twitter at LTT Productions 1. You can also follow the host of the No Playbook podcast, Drew Pounton, on Twitter as well, at Pounton18. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter for everything LTT Productions related. This offseason, again, the NBA offseason always is just an absolute dogfight. Pretty much. We're going to talk about some of the teams. Well, let's quickly run through some of the players that that stayed with their teams. How about that? So, Bradley Beal is looking like he's going to be a wizard for his whole, his whole career. Beal, at the time, had the largest contract in NBA history. He signed a five-year deal worth just over a quarter of a billion dollars at $251 million. And I'm at that point with Bradley Beal. He said he hit the market. He hit the market, you know, yesterday. I don't want. I'm tired of feeling bad for Bradley Beal. I kind of reached that point with Dame. 
you know, I, I love Dame and I love Bradley Beal, but they have had numerous chances to leave. I think Dame, I don't know if Dame has ever hit the open market. I think he has consistently just re-signed with Portland while he's been there. You know, he hasn't hit the open market or he hasn't, He whenever he's there, it's last year's deal. He's like, all right, let's get a deal done right now. Um, but Bradley Beal just hit the open market and he, I'm sure he had his phone blowing up because the Heat were in on him. There were so many different teams. The Heat are going to be be in on everybody pretty much that's just how it's gonna go they have a lot of assets they are we're just in the conference finals one game away from being in the nba finals and jimmy butler carried that team oh my goodness i i don't want to hear any jimmy butler center either Okay, you're going to slander anybody that used to be a Sixer? Go slander Tobias Harris. He, I mean, he's obviously still a Sixer. Go slander the GM for the Sixers for choosing Harris over Butler. And I'm tired, you know? Okay, so I don't mean to, mean to go on a rant here, but let me sit up in my chair. I'm tired of hearing that Jimmy Butler is not a closer. I am. And you can be like, oh, true, he didn't close out the Celtics. Actually, because he was down 3-2, forced a game seven, and gave the Celtics 45 points. Yeah, I- I- I'm tired of hearing Jimmy Butler's not a closer. Because whenever he was traded from Minnesota to Philadelphia, he was the closer. That that was the, That was all I heard was, oh, Philadelphia finally gets their closer because they've been losing so many games that are close because they don't have a guy. And Jimmy Butler was the guy. He is the guy. And if you want to throw game seven in my face, that, oh, he had a chance to go to overtime. Why on God's green earth would he go to overtime? He had played dang near every minute of that game. Every minute. And he gave them a master class. It wasn't as good as game six. Because game six, he came out and just dogged them. Dogged the Celtics. Jimmy Butler is a closer. That three that he took, he was like, I'm living and dying with this three right here. Now you can make the argument that, oh, he should have attacked. Horford was moving. He was ending that game right that shot. I wouldn't want anybody else on my team taking that shot than Jimmy Butler. On that on that heat team, I don't care if you if you gave it to Tyler Hero to shoot the three, Kyle Lowry who to shoot the three. I want Jimmy Butler, kind of like how Kellerman wants Iguodala. I want Butler taking the game-winning shot, the shot that could throw my team into the NBA Finals to go against the Warriors. I- I'm tired of the Jimmy Butler slander. I am. Whew. I had this conversation with Kyler, if you can't tell. <clears throat> I think it was on the podcast, too, where he, was, he wasn't he was a fan of the shot that he took. But, again, I don't know where the Wizards go from here with Bradley Beal. They, they, they do have Porzingis under contract still, who, from what I understood, wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. Porzingis can kind of go away. No, that's not, I didn't mean that in a bad way. I meant kind of disappear in Washington. They don't really – they're not good. They don't get a lot of – you know, media coverage because they haven't really been good since John Wall left or John Wall got hurt and then was traded and all that good stuff. But, again, I think 
that Bradley Beal, I, I don't want to hear anymore, oh, free Bradley Beal, free Bradley Beal. He had a chance to free himself and didn't. Loyalty. That's what it is. And it's hard for me to look at it and be like, feel bad for him. You know? Because since my time watching the NBA, you don't see guys staying for 20 years. You know? Steph Curry has been with his team longer than anybody else. You know? In the NBA. Because once Kobe retired in 2016... And then Dirk retired in 2016. Tim Duncan, I think, also retired in 2016 or 2015. Those were the end of that era with those guys. Now you have Dame and Steph and Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal's still on the younger side. I think he's not even 30 yet. But they're not the winners that they were. You know, and I'm, I'm obviously you're talking about three of the greatest NBA players of all time, top 75 NBA players. But they they haven't won like those three did. You know? They stayed with their team. And they get thrashed for it. Every time. Because it's like you could go somewhere else and you could win. Like if he were to go to the Heat, it would have had to have been a sign-in trade. But, you know, then the Wizards go in a complete rebuild. But I think Bradley Beal... Where is, I'm trying to think of a player because I think the Wizards are, you know, obviously I don't think, excuse me, I think they've been drafting uh, decently okay. Denny of Dia was drafted and I think Rui Hachimori were both drafted ninth. I Is Bradley Bill going to be one of those guys on the team to where he carried them for so long and then they finally get a team around him whenever he's like 34, 35? It, it, he may be that guy. I'm trying to think because I know there are players that are like that, and I cannot think of anyone off the top of my dome. But either way, regardless, um, I'm tired of hearing Bradley Beal. You know, free Bradley Beal. He had he could have freed himself and didn't. And kudos to him. My cat, you know, quarter of a billion dollars to stay loyal to, you know, the team that's been loyal to you. Because I'm sure that they have probably taken 50 trade call- calls for Bradley Beal, and they may decide to trade him. You know. At a later date, but I hope not. I hope that Beal stays loyal to them and they stay loyal to Beal. Another guy that stayed, who after Beal signed his record-setting deal, set the president, I think hopefully I'm using that word right, the the president or president, something like that, Jokic, either way. Nikola Jokic now has the biggest contract in NBA history. Jokic stays in Denver on a five-year, $270 million deal. And I had a real, don't really have other, no, anything to say other than, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that people know how good Jokic is. They see, oh, two-time MVP, give it to Embiid, give it to Giannis, give it to LeBron. No. It's in the title. Most valuable player. You take Embiid off the Sixers, yeah, they're worse. They lose probably 10 to 15 more games. The Lakers were terrible this past season, and LeBron wasn't really in MVP talks, but you take, you know, LeBron should have way more MVPs in my opinion because it's the most valuable player on the one of the team, you know, a team. So you take LeBron off that team, they literally probably go 0-82. Maybe, you know, they're at the bottom of the conference. 
and then you take Giannis away from the Bucks. Giannis, I, I had this debate the other day, is I think is a top three power forward of all time behind Duncan and, and um, Garnett. But you take Giannis away from the Bucks. They're obviously not as good, but with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and a really good supporting cast, I think they still make the playoffs maybe a play-in team. You take Jokic away from this team, especially this past season. God! I mentioned LeBron about being the worst, you know, LeBron and the Lakers being the worst team in the league. They would be the worst team in the league. Jokic carried this team to the playoffs. Michael Porter Jr. played three games and averaged like 10 points. Murray, out for the season. Porter Jr., again, missed a lot of time. They just traded Will Barton and Monte Morris. And I think it's because they want to run more point Jokic and that Jamal Murray is going to be back next year. I don't, you know, I... I don't know what the expectations are for the Nuggets because, again, Porter Jr. has just been injury-riddled, and that was, his, that was his concern out of college, out of Mizzou, is that he didn't play hardly at all because he had back surgery. And that's why he fell so far in the draft. I, I don't remember where the Nuggets got him, but they got him out of steel. People were like, if he stays healthy, this guy is good. And we have seen him be good whenever he is healthy. And then Jamal Murray, whenever he's healthy, We've seen him go toe-to-toe with Donovan Mitchell dropping 50-point games. This team is going to be good. I think they just need a little bit of a better supporting cast. Um, they did get Bruce Brown, which I love. I, again, I wish the Nets would have. I, I don't wish, but the, I think the Nets should have re-signed him. But Bruce Brown gives him good defense and, again, some, some pretty decent scoring whenever he's asked upon it. Now, does he start? I can't think of anybody at the shooting guard position or even the small forward position if Michael Porter Jr. isn't healthy that will take minutes away from him. So their lineup right now probably, in my opinion, I'm not trying to guess these lineups, but that's just what's happening, would probably be Murray, excuse me, Murray, Brown, Porter Jr., power forward. I don't know where you go with that. Uh, I think they were running Jamichael Green there last year, um, but I think they traded him to OKZ, OKZ, excuse me, OKC. Um, and then, of course, Jokic at the five. Or you get a small forward and you run Porter Jr. at the four. Either way. Um, I think the Nuggets, again, are going to be pretty solid this year. Because Jokic is going to be up there for MVP candidates again. Um, Jamal Murray is going to be back healthy. Hopefully he's as good, if not better, because, again, he he missed he hasn't played since the bubble, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe he did play a little bit. No, I'm pretty sure he tore it in the bubble. And then Michael Porter Jr. hopefully will be back and healthy. This Nuggets team, when healthy, is a top probably four or five seed in the West. And the West is stacked. Michael Malone is a great coach. Jokic is a top three player in the NBA right now. He just is off. He's off back-to-back MVPs. Now, will he win it next year? Voting voter, Voters fatigue is a real thing, so I don't know if he'll win it next year unless he literally goes out and averages a 50-point triple-double. Not necessarily that, but a, a triple-double with some really good splits. But, um, again, I think the, the Nuggets could be scary next year. And they better give Jokic more time off than what they did. They said, Jokic, we love you for carrying us these past two years. But, you know. We're going to drop your minutes down a lot. So I, I, I would love to see the Nuggets go out and get – even re-sign Boogie. I think DeMarcus Cousins played really good for them last year uh, towards the later end of the, the year and in, in the playoffs. Whenever Jokic is on the bench, the bench, Boogie was given the Warriors buckets. 
that's how that goes. Again, speaking of people staying, Zach Levine and the Bulls are in agreement on a five-year, $215 million deal. Um, Not really much to say here, honestly, just because of, you know, Levine wants to be the one. Um, I didn't know where he was going to end up. There was a report that came out a couple days ago that he would be staying and he would sign this extension, Um, but he didn't sign it on the – he signed it today. Um, sorry, I had to cross something off. He signed it today. So Zach Levine staying in the Bulls uniform. Obviously, he's the great offensive player. Um, he averaged, I think, 25 points this past season. They traded him for Laurel, Jimmy Butler. Excuse me, the Timberwolves traded Zach Levine for Jimmy Butler. Um, coming off of an injury, didn't, people didn't know how Zach Levine was going to look, and he has been phenomenal. He was their offense, um, not this year with DeMar DeRozan, but the year before. DeMar comes in, he still gives them buckets. Um, so Zach Levine was obviously a must-keep for the Bulls. Finally, two rookie teams. Again, I, follow, I say finally as in the team people that are staying. John Morant and the Grizzlies, and, and I hate how this rookie this rookie scale goes. John Morant and the Grizzlies agreed to a five-year, $193 million extension. And, the William, and Zion Williamson and the Pels agreed to a five-year, $231 million extension. The only reason that Zion got more money is the one year he was somewhat fully healthy. He was an all-star and an all-NBA player. That's it. He hit the incentives of his bonus to get that, you know, that's, I think it's the super rookie max, um, which I hate. I, I don't like it at all. John Morant has been there more consistently. Um, He run most improved player this year, which, again, I don't really understand how he won it, considering I thought he was a stud, and I thought we all knew that, but apparently not. But, um, again, John Morant and the Grizzlies, they needed him to stay. And, again, he was drafted in 2019, so I think he would have been hitting unrestricted free agency next year, I think, somewhere in that range. Um, or those team options come into play, a bunch of baloney. But John Morant and Zion both get paid. Zion, we're hoping to see him back next year. Everything that I've seen, he looks great. He looks in tip-top sh- uh, shape. Um, again, all these photos that have been coming out, um, you just got to go with the most consistent one. I know there was a point in time um, a couple, probably about two, three months ago, to where he looked physically out of shape. And the Pelicans and everybody have been posting him. He looks in great shape, and he looks, again, great shape, real good. Uh, hopefully, again, he's he's good to go because this Pelicans team didn't have him at all last year, and they were the eighth seed. They added C.J. McCollum. They have Jose Alvarado. Um, B.I. still there. Herbert Jones is still there. Jonas Valanciunas is still there. Um, and then they added... Dyson Daniels, which I think is a really good pickup. I wanted them to pick up one of the point guards um, in the draft uh, with that either being Johnny Davis or Dyson Daniels because that's what they this team is really missing is a really good point guard because their two forward spots are good. They have CJ for now. Jonas Valanciunas is a really good offensive threat. Um, and then I think that they really needed that point guard. Now Dyson Daniels probably isn't going to play a lot because I think CJ, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, was running a lot of the point last year. So we'll have to see how they do it. Um, they may keep Jose Alvarado in there just for defensive purposes because he was a defensive lockdown. It may just be Alvarado, Jones, B.I., uh, Williamson, and then Valanciunas. 
Whew. Okay. So a couple more topics here that we'll touch on. Uh, the Celtics. That This happened uh, probably about a couple hours ago from when I'm recording this. Uh, the Celtics acquire Malcolm Brogdon. Boston trades Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, and Juwan Morgan in a first-rounder for next year. Now, the Celtics were rumored, to, rumored with this packet, not necessarily a package, but this with Malcolm Brogdon, the, they were rumored to get Malcolm Brogdon um, the trade deadline. And I think Malcolm Brogdon, whenever he's healthy, is a, is better than Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart, obviously, is better. He just won Defensive Player of the Year. But Malcolm Brogdon can shoot the three and facilitate and get to the bucket. I think overall, you know, and, and Malcolm Brogdon's defense isn't bad. It's not. I, I didn't mean to come off as saying that, but Malcolm Brogdon's defense is really good. He's not, he's not on the level as Marcus Smart, who just won Defensive Player of the Year. But I think Brogdon adds a really good level of just, I want to say calmness. You know, because you have those point guards in the league. John Wall comes to mind. Rajon Rondo comes to mind. Ricky Rubio to where whenever Boston's going on those six seven, eight minutes, you know, kind of spurts where they're not scoring and they're just chucking a bad shot, Brogdon's going to get the ball. They're going to get a play from Ime Udoka, and they're going to run it. You know, Malcolm Brogdon is, again, he signed with the Pacers whenever they were still trying to compete, but now the Pacers are blowing it all up. I'm waiting for Miles Turner to get traded because I don't know what that package is going to look like. Um, if Rudy Gobert got what he got, I mean, Miles Turner is not on the level – um, as Rudy Gobert, but I think this isn't going to be, you know, too crazy. I think they maybe get two players and two picks for Turner. I think that that would be reasonable because he's really good defensively. He can shoot the three ball. He's not. I don't think he's necessarily as dominant. Not dominant, but um, trying to think of a word as um, offensively focused. I guess is what I'm trying to say. He's not as you know, I want the ball so I can post up this guy and score. He's more or less, I'm going to block three shots a game. Um, so, again, with Brogdon getting traded to the Celtics, I really like this move for the Celtics. Um, who knows what their lineup is going to look like. But, I mean, Tice barely played for them. And then Neesmith, Stauskas, Fitz, Morgan all didn't play for them pretty much at all. Unless it was a blowout um, in the finals. So you don't really give up a lot of guys that are playing quality minutes. Uh, first round pick next year is probably going to be late because I'm sure that we're all assuming that with a full year of Emil Doka under their belt, that this team is probably going to be a top three seed in the wet or the East next year. Um, Jason Tatum is going to get better. Jalen Brown's going to get better. Malcolm Brogdon now adds a facilitating, you know, kind of calmness to the offense. You still have Derek White, I think. Uh, Al Horford, I'm sure, is going to be back. Marcus Smart is still under contract. Um. So yeah, lineup is going to look Robert Williams. I forgot to mention him. Um, now what does their lineup look like next year? Do they? I think you have to start Brogdon. Um, I don't know if you move. I don't think you move Smart to the bench, especially after the season that he just had. So I think that moves Al Horford to the bench, to where you have Brogdon and Smart at the guards, Brown and Tatum at the forwards, and then Williams at the center. And then, of course, uh, Horford can come in and give, you know, in replacement for Williams or for Tatum. Um, 
play that lower kind of block of center and power forward. But again, I think the Celtics, I think this is a great move. I wish they would have made this move at the deadline like they were trying to. Um, but I think Brogdon was hurt. I think that was what was really kind of holding this trade back. But again, I love this move. This move has been talked about since the trade deadline last season in the season. Um, so I'm glad that the Celtics finally got it done. And I think it's a really good addition to an already great roster. Make sure you stay up to date on everything LTT Productions related. You can follow LTT Productions on Twitter at LTT Productions 1. You can also follow the host of the No Playbook podcast, Drew Pounton, on Twitter as well, at Pounton18. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter for everything LTT Productions related. Okay, yes, nothing crazy has gone down. Again, I have my phone right here ready and waiting for any news to come out of any other signings. Um, but Jalen Brunson is a New York Nick. I think that the Mavericks offered him a four-year, $106 million deal, and the Knicks offered him a four-year, $104 million deal, and he takes the Knicks deal. Jalen Brunson was good um, for the Mavericks while Luka was hurt, and he was good whenever Luka came back. I probably would not have paid him any more than... 15 to 20 million dollars a year and I say that as a stretch but the Knicks are giving him four years and 104 million dollars a year um, which equals out to about 25 million and some change a year for Brunson and the Knicks uh, they also uh, again I'm not going to grade this deal right now it's you know, I'm not a fan of the deal, but Jalen Brunson can come out. And like I said, he was he was really good. I think if he averages 17 points and maybe five to seven assists, I would consider this a win because um, they gave Julius Randle a bag after he won most improved player, and now he doesn't really want to be in New York and hasn't been the same player. But I think Brunson to the Knicks is a good, good signing um again the money he may make me eat my words but as of right now the money is kind of ridiculous um gosh 104 million i i, I couldn't believe it whenever i i got the notification um because this has been reported and this has been rumored since the off season like a couple days before the off season that jalen brunson um and the knicks are you know kind of mutually interested in each other and then whenever the knicks traded Netherlands Noel, Alec Burks, and uh, um, Kimba Walker for salary cap. They we kind of figured they were going to try to make a big splash, and they do it in the form of Jalen Brunson. I don't know what the Knicks were missing last year. I'm not going to lie; I didn't watch a lot of Nick basketball. Um, but I just know that they were not the greatest last year. Again, hopefully Julius Randle comes back and is a better version of himself than he was last year. Because whenever Julius Randle was an all-star and most improved player, you know, he had shown glimpses um, with the Pels um, after getting traded for Anthony Davis in the Lakers deal. He showed glimpses with the Pelicans and then he had his, his, I think he had one year with the Knicks and then that second year he just, you know, he 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 balled out, one most improved player, got a huge, massive contract extension, and here we are, and it's probably one of the worst contracts in basketball. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Randall. I do know Brunson is going to come in again in the playoffs. He he was he was pretty good in the playoffs outside of that um, 
Warrior series, and I think that a lot of the players around Luka weren't good in the Warrior series. Again, that's why they lost 4-1. to one. But Brunson to the Knicks, again, is interesting. I don't really have a lot to say on it um, right now. I'll have to probably give it a year and see how Jalen Brunson does. Um, and what the Knicks kind of try to do to put it, not necessarily around him, but around the team with Randall, R.J. Barrett, and Jalen Brunson. Gary Payton II is going to the Blazers on a three-year, $28 million deal. Now, this is obviously strictly defense-oriented. They have been looking for a kind of defensive, I wouldn't necessarily say anchor, but a defensive player for a while. They traded for Robert Covington. He wasn't that guy. Jeremy Grant really isn't. He's an okay defender. But Gary Payton literally comes in and gives you straight defense, nothing else. Um, I'm really interested to see what that lineup looks like. Um, do they start him? Um, I don't think they do. Do they run? I don't know. Um, but, again, this is someone that can come in whenever Dame's on the bench and Anthony Simons is the point or whenever you know it's vice versa, Dame's starting and Anthony Simons is on the bench. This is a guy that comes in and just strictly gives you a boatload of defense. And I think that this is a great move for the Blazers um, and a great pickup for them because they, they're missing that defensive guy. They just re-signed, NA, not NAS Cancer, excuse me, um, Yusuf Nurkic to a four-year $70 million deal, which is really good for Nurkic. Um, he was really solid for them, you know. I think the year before he got hurt, um, he was, I wouldn't necessarily say all-star kind of things, but he was he, he was pretty good for the, for the Blazers that year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this team looks like around Dame. Um, again, I don't think this is a championship team around Dame, but I think it's good enough for a, you know, top five, six seed. I don't think they're in the play-in next year. But I'm excited to see Dame come back healthy. He was hurt for the last couple of years, and he still came out and gave 35 points a game pretty much. He was carrying that Blazer offense. So I'm excited to see him for a full season and see him back in, you know, on the court. Make sure you stay up to date on everything LTT Productions related. You can follow LTT Productions on Twitter at LTT Productions 1. You can also follow the host of the No Playbook podcast, Drew Pounton, on Twitter as well, at Pounton18. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter for everything LTT Productions related. Finally, John Wall to the Clippers. I love John Wall. I love John Wall today. He's one of my favorite point guards. Um in the league. Whenever John Wall was in his prime, I don't think there was a better point guard in the league. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. But again, I, I like John Wall a lot. His defense, his scoring, his playmaking is just absolutely ridiculous. He's obviously, well, we don't really know what, you know, version of John Wall we're going to get back. He hasn't been healthy for a full season in a very long time. He's been wishy-washy with the Rockets whenever they played him last year. Um, this past season, he didn't play at all. And then the year before, I think he was playing okay, but he got hurt. But this Clippers team is going to be getting Kawhi back and Paul George back. Um, they just re-signed Nick Batum. They signed Amir Coffey, uh, re-signed. And I think John Wall gives them – I don't know what to expect from John Wall again. I think that either way he's going to probably come in and average above eight assists a game, but it's that points and how good is his defense going to be. I think with 
You know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you don't have to be great defensively. And I'm going to mispronounce this. Avicha Subac, they just re-signed him. I love Zubach. Um, one of the more underrated centers in the league. He comes in, plays good defense, gives you buckets when you need it, and um, that's about it. That's what Zubac does. Um, but with John Wall going to the Clippers, I would assume that Zubach's points are going to go up just a little bit. I think that um, John Wall – is going to throw some lobs. I think he, you know, he did that with um, Marcin Gortat. Um, that was kind of his, you know, he, he just does that with bigs. I feel like again, I haven't John Wall, one of my favorite point guards, and I'm really excited to see him to go to the Clippers. But I think the Clippers are going to be really good next year without John Wall being added, and with him being added, that adds more point guard depth. And I don't know if they're going to start him or not, but I think John Wall makes the Clippers. A better team, and I don't really think they have a lot of money to play around with um, in free agency. But they got John Wall on a two-year, thirteen point two million dollar deal. And uh, again, I'm just excited to see John Wall back on the court. I'm excited to see a lot of players coming back next year that were out this past season. Um, and John Wall is one of them. I, like I said, I've, I've been a John Wall fan for a long, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a long time, and I'm excited to see him back on the court. Um, it'll be weird seeing him kind of in the same color scheme as the Wizards, but with the Clippers. And I think that Kawhi and Paul George and John Wall and Zubach are going to be a top three seed in the West next year, if not number one. Um, hopefully, again, everyone comes back healthy and we get uh, the best version of the Clippers that we can get. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up. Let me do one more check of Twitter before I sign off of here. Raul Nato signed with the Cavaliers. That's something. And then check Adrian Wojnowski. And his is still the Spurs. Not the Spurs. The Jazz trading Rudy Gobert. So yeah, that's it. Um, thank you for listening. I know this is a longer one. Again, follow me on Twitter and shoot me a message. Okay, I I look at all these little, I have the um, R something, I I don't remember the name of it, Uh, the feed for podcasts where you just put it in and it distributes it everywhere. Uh, It says my most recent, my most listened to places in like San Jose, California and Belgium. So yeah, I want to hear, I want to hear your thoughts. Am I right? Am I wrong? Do I sound dumb? Am I the smartest person on, you know, Spotify and all these other places that I'm getting uh, distributed to? But again, shoot me a message. Um, I want to hear about, I want to hear feedback from, you know, my listeners. And I want to thank you for listening. Um, Again, I love producing content and I try to do it as often as I can. And uh, yeah, this is Drew Pounton of No Playbook and LTT Productions signing off.